Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Formula One's 2021 launch season picked up major momentum today with two more teams revealing their challenges for the coming season, the Mercedes W12 and the Alpine A521. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Motorsport.com's F1 editor Jonathan Noble, Autosport's F1 reporter Luke Smith, and our technical editor Jake Boxall-Legg to go over what we learned from the Mercedes and Alpine launches today. So, let's start with the reigning champion squad. Jake, what's different about the kind of new, kind of not new Mercedes W12? No, there's not a massive amount on it that's that's entirely new, um, but they were quite upfront with that, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, there were some new details to the overall bargeable package um, last year. They played around with uh, the specification quite a lot last year. Um they came up with one package and then for the Belgian Grand Prix they shifted it back a little bit and at the time it looked like it was more of a specification for perhaps low down four circuits but it's something they continued with through the rest of the season but it seems that they've sort of gone forward with it again and I wonder if that's a legacy of these floor changes as well it seems to be a lot of teams are trying to work air a lot earlier so that you know the floor because it has less uh, less tools with which to do the job uh, they're trying to get that outwash if you like uh done earlier to ensure the diffuser's nice and, and clean and works as it should so there's that um and there's a few changes to uh, the side pods and the bodywork as well um as you'll have probably noticed from the launch images there's quite a big bulge on the on the side of the car um and that is a legacy of the new powertrain package which i'll, I'll go into a minute as well but it just looks like they've tightened everything up and obviously we know that w11 was possibly F1's fastest car contender for perhaps F1's greatest car considering its dominance um, 
and this is just aiming to not eclipse that per se but you know be every little bit its equal well, Mercedes technical director James Allison was part of their virtual launch at their Brackley race bays today. And he actually said that, came out outright said it, Mercedes are hiding things, Jake. So what is he referring to there when he says that? Well, first of all, it's nice that someone's honest about hiding things on a launch car. Um, we don't get that a lot, I guess. Um, but he's talking about the floor, of course. Um, as, as I've mentioned before, for 2021, there's these brand new floor regulations where a big triangular cutout has been taken from the floor and so the teams have a lot less to 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 work with with getting that underbody downforce um and mercedes is not prepared to reveal its hand just yet um because you know as we know mercedes is a team that's always been fantastic at developing solutions for any given challenge really with regards to the rules and so i think they know that they've got a good idea for it and they don't want teams to copy it. James Allison said that it buys them a couple more weeks uh, before teams start looking at their design and perhaps trying to slot it in in the wind tunnel. So uh, quite a quite a smart move from them. And what about the Mercedes powertrain? Uh, you mentioned the engine earlier on, Jake. I mean, it's always always quite a big topic. Teams are only allowed to make one major change this year. We know Ferrari going to be a lot of attention paid to what it can do with its, uh, its latest engine after its troubles last year. Honda, of course, aiming to head off into the sunset on a high with Red Bull. What about Mercedes? We know that they did encounter some early problems in testing, saved really by the extra time the pandemic afforded them. So what were the team sort of hinting at in, in regards to that situation today? Well, we don't obviously we don't know the scope of the internals but they say they've got some very very innovative solution uh words of uh, new engine chief hal thomas who has uh come in and replaced uh, andy cowell who has left the team um there are cha- a few slight changes to the engine regulations in that um they're going to be five kilograms heavier because um on cost reasons uh, f1 wants to eliminate some exotic re- uh, exotic materials so there's got to be a few changes with that regard um but yeah they've very very bullish about that new engine we, i know they've said that they're perhaps encountering a few issues here and there but you know, james allison said you know the new unit's got more horsepower than the old one um and you know it, it should be you know mercedes have created excellent powertrains every single year in the hybrid era so there's no reason to suggest that this won't be another one well lewis hamilton valtteri bottas and toto wolf faced the media in a string of zoom calls after the virtual launch took place um john luke what did we learn from those? Let's start with uh, with Lewis Hamilton, John. Did we learn anything more about his future? About, you know, are we any closer to knowing how things are going to pan out for Lewis Hamilton post-2021 and his current one-year deal? Yeah, I think we got a slight step forward in what, what kind of we understand about their contract that, you know, Toto had said over the winter that the delay in sorting it thanks to COVID, um, the late finish of the season meant that there wasn't time to sort out a long-term deal. But Lewis said today it was, it was his choice to do a one-year deal um, doesn't see the need you know in a, in a time when the world's changed quite a bit doesn't see the need for a long-term deal so it seems it was something Lewis wanted it seems it's something Lewis is quite happy with it seems if Lewis wants to carry on it'll probably be another one-year deal and a, a one-year deal after that and it, it kind of leaves Mercedes in an interesting spot because you see Ferrari committing long-term to Charles Leclerc you see Red Bull committing long-term to Max Verstappen so you know the top teams commit themselves around a a big superstar for the long term. Mercedes hasn't got that luxury. Lewis is out of contract at the end of this year. Valtteri is out of contract at the end of this year. So it's, you know, it's almost incredible that the potentially best car on the grid has two vacancies for 2022. And you can bet that Toto you know, cannot afford to sit back and you know, be confident that both drivers would be there for the long-term future. 
uh, get to September, October, and suddenly Lewis says, oh, no, I've had enough, I'm, I'm going, and everyone else is, is locked up. So it's going to be fascinating to see where the movement goes. Toto says they won't flirt with other drivers before they've spoken to Lewis and Valtteri, but I bet that won't stop other drivers flirting with Toto. Certainly not, certainly not. And indeed, he was also saying that, you know, because of the, the success and the relationship they have with Hamilton have, have, have had so, over so many years, he'll be the first call. They, you know, they won't sort of, it'll, it'll, he'll be the first piece of the jigsaw that they've got to solve this year. But John, also, what was Hamilton saying uh, about his goals in the next step of his important uh, quest, his important aim to improve uh, the lack of diversity in motorsports? It actually said that was, that was part of his wider kind of, um, not ambition in life, but, you know, one of his core goals now is to is to do more with he's got his foundation um he's got you know that the the, the um, charity he set up with mercedes as well that's moving forward so i think he's he's seeing as much satisfaction off track um as potentially on it um but he's still a man very much driven by formula one he was quite clear today that you know his future does not rest on winning the eighth title and walking away and not winning it and staying um there's there's a myriad of factors in there but you you do get the first sense from him that he's starting to look a bit more about what life is like after Formula One that his his entire life is no longer dictated by what happens at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon there are much bigger things at play now as I said, uh, Valtteri Bottas also facing the media today. Luke, you and I were on that Zoom call with him. And I wanted I wanted to get your your sense of what you made of Valtteri Bottas today, because I thought he was in quite a cheery, upbeat mood. I don't know whether that was just because come the end of last season, having had another title defeat in what was a very demanding year, considering the pandemic, considering how quickly and how sort of, you know, constant the runner races were last year it was it was very uh, it was very difficult for everybody involved in formula one but he seemed he seemed rather rather upbeat today he sat down gave a very cheerful salute to the media which i'm sure we all appreciated but it was just interesting it was just interesting hearing him and seeing him at this time of year so did we pick up any clues into how he might be going ahead of the 2021 season well yeah he's in a really good place by the sounds of things he used the word perfect to describe how his winter was and he said that he was able to spend a lot of time uh, away he said he did some quite extreme training he called it he wanted to channel the the, the Finnish uh, Sisu uh, that, that Finnish mentality that is so hard for anyone who's uh, for, from anyone anywhere else to crack really and uh, yeah he said that he, he's worked hard and that he spent a lot of time over the winter working on his, his mental state and he said that basically he wanted to try and make it so he was more consistent across uh, the course of a season this uh, never ending quest it seems like to defeat Lewis Hamilton in a title fight and he's uh, I'm sure he's very bored of all the the, the headlines that uh, the, the likes of uh, the four of us come up with about a uh, Bottas version 3.0 or 4.0 or whatever and uh, he just said I just need to be more consistent he said I just need to work on the sort of mental side of things to unlock that sort of extra bit of performance that I've perhaps been lacking at points this year and he um, spoke quite openly about it and uh, I asked him I said are you working with a mind coach or anything because we know it's something that Lando Norris has done very effectively a lot of elite athletes do do it and uh, that was the only point where he sort of clammed up during the whole media session and he said well I don't really want to talk about it and it's not something I really want to a share sort of techniques or anything like that the man he's got to face about any shortcomings he's had against Lewis Hamilton is uh, the man in the mirror and he said he doesn't want to be looking back on anything that's happened in the past that he's very much focused on this season he's still very confident that he can defeat Lewis Hamilton in a title fight and uh, he said that he's he's really raring to go for the new 
new campaign. So, uh, yeah, there was definitely a, a spring in his step. Uh, I think just following his Instagram read over the winter, you can see he's had quite a, a nice uh, nice break, sort of split between Finland and uh, Monaco and doing a lot of cycling by the looks of things. And uh, he just seems to be in a really good place, which is good. But then again, we've said this, I think, for the last three or four years, that every year, oh, we're going to get Bottas, he's going to come back stronger, come back better. And again, you've just got to wonder, is it actually going to be enough to defeat Lewis Hamilton across the course of a championship fight? Just for the record, uh, you'll never get me running or suggesting a headline involving Valtteri Bottas, two point whatever. I just think it's been, just think it's been done to death. But there we go. Um, let's go on to uh, to the most visible and potentially uh, contentious element of every team launch. And that's what their livery is going to be for the coming year. Mercedes uh, largely keeps the same livery in terms of the the all black base, but they have uh, had really sort of tweaked the rear end of it. Um, from my point of view, I don't like it as much as I did last year. I think they've got they've got a lot going on, perhaps too much going on now. You've got to try and sort of squeeze in the corporate colours of three companies and Petronas, Ineos, Mercedes itself, bringing back that sort of Silver Arrows heritage. Whereas I don't know, it just seemed it just seemed just seemed simpler last year where it had uh, the livery it did, and obviously, um, you know, highlighting such an important message, which is, is to try and improve the lack of diversity in motorsport. Um, so, Jake, you're a man of um, you know excellent tastes. What did you think of the Mercedes livery? <laughs> Um, I, I agree with you. It's too there's too many too many colours on. I think I think when you're coming up with a livery design, you kind of really want to stick to three at maximum. Otherwise, it gets a little bit too 1990 Benetton. Um, you know, you, you want to keep it simple, and I think the simpler the better. And there's too many conflicting ideas. Obviously, I appreciate they do have commercial considerations. They've got the Petronas teal to fit in. Got Ineos's sort of uh, ready sort of burgundy kind of color to fit in um obviously they want to keep black for um their uh, diversity message and for their um for foundations that they're creating as well but also there's the silver for, for mercedes as well and this big splash of amg logos at the rear half as well it just doesn't do it any favors it doesn't it doesn't mesh together it's like two different liveries on one canvas so yeah, it, it could do with some work, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. It certainly is. And, I mean, our talent is uh, is with words, apparently, rather than uh, rather than colours and images. Um, John, what do you think of the Mercedes livery for 2021? Yeah, I th- think I agree with both of you. I think when you looked, you got, like, these teaser images over the last few days. So when it c- closed in on small elements of the car, it looked quite nice. The... Ineos branding on the um, roll hoop, and then the, this morning was the AMG logos look quite good close up. But I think when it when it comes together as an entire package, I think it doesn't doesn't quite sit as well as um, you know many iconic liveries have in the past. I always think I kind of kind of agree with Jake that you know a car livery should be simple, and you know a child should be able to draw that livery on the back of a notepad, and we know what that Formula One car is. We can all. Um, you know, draw what the McLarens were like in the 80s. We can, you know, know what Jordan was like in 1991. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, by the end of this year, anyone's going to be very easily able to draw what a, a Mercedes W12 looks like. Leek? No, I'll give it a thumbs up, I think. I think I'm going to uh, go the other way to you guys. I think it's, uh, yeah, actually a pretty nice design I thought it was really futuristic I think the way they've uh, kept the sort of uh, Petronas uh, luminous green I thought was really really cool and I actually quite like the sort of the, the fade effect towards the back and okay maybe a few too many uh, AMG logos but the way it sort of fades into the silver I think is quite nice uh, I really like the, the numbering as well just like the big 44 and 77 that you've got on the back of the car as well I just think it's uh, it's a really futuristic livery and I think the, 
that the um, shots that Mercedes released towards the end of the day of the physical car in the race bay, that did a lot more for me than the initial renders. So uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a fan of this. I think that it's uh, yeah maybe maybe a little bit too much going on, but actually I think that's that's quite cool. It's quite futuristic, and uh, I think it's. Yeah, for me up there as one of the better liveries that we've seen in this launch season. But I think the the team we're going to come on to in a little bit has probably uh, stolen the show on that front. Those race based shots they had, I think they had a, a like an undercar light underneath it just to kind of accentuate some of the colours. So maybe if they keep that light on the car for the races this year, maybe maybe we can give them a big thumbs up. Well, they were talking about uh, having taken DAS off the car. They've got a little bit of uh, spare weight to sort of play with. So maybe maybe fitting the light in uh, would help would help with the distribution of that. I mean, it's the it's the eternal problem with uh, with with Formula One fans as we are um, in terms of liveries. Everyone everyone wants it to be different, and then when it's different, it's like, oh, why is it different? But there we go. Anyway, moving on to the next part of our discussion, we've again asked our social media followers to vote on how they see the 2021 season playing out from the Mercedes, and here are the results on that to a series of set questions. And obviously, I'll ask you guys for your opinion as well uh, in terms of which driver scores more points it's fairly comprehensive as i'm sure you'd imagine uh, victory for one of the mercedes drivers given his uh, very successful history on instagram 91 percent think lewis hamilton has scored more points and just nine percent to valtteri bottas twitter is even more comprehensive 95 percent for hamilton and five percent for bottas so effectively luke i'm coming to you picks you sorry um is hamilton the favorite of the two mercedes drivers to to do better in 2021 um, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I think it's probably out of all the the teammate partnerships on the grid, I think it's the one that's probably the safest bet that Lewis Hamilton is gonna is gonna win that. I, I think he's only twice lost in his career across the course of a season to a teammate, Jensen Button in 2011 and uh, Nico Rosberg in 2016. So it it takes a lot to beat Lewis Hamilton. It takes a, a lot of bad luck for Lewis Hamilton to get in the way as well. And I think that no matter how much Bottas may have improved himself or be working on his mental state or anything like that to defeat the driver who statistically is the greatest of all time it's going to take something monumental so uh no i think i think if anything that 95% i think i may be a little bit uh even a little bit uh, too generous perhaps to to Valtteri Bottas wow well next question was uh, will mercedes take an eighth consecutive constructors title this season on instagram uh, 86% of people said yes and just 14% no whereas twitter again more comprehensive 93% saying yes and just 7% saying no so john effectively the question is is mercedes once again the favorite heading into 2021 yeah absolutely the favorite i mean i can't see you know, the only team that could potentially challenge them um for race wins regularly is red bull and i don't see enough change in the regulations uh, and kind of step forward from Honda on the engine front against what progress Mercedes has made, and on the chassis front, you've got you know Mercedes are you know up there as Red Bull were once kind of aero kings, but I think that's no longer the case because Mercedes are just as good on that front. Um, so yeah, clear favourites, but don't doesn't necessarily mean that they could hit reliability problems or a patch of bad luck. Um, so it's not guaranteed. I wouldn't you know bet my house on it. But, um, you know, it's, it's an easy 10 quid, isn't it, that it's going to happen? <laughs> bet somebody else's house, if such things are allowed. <laughs> I'll um, bet your new house. Uh, it's not big enough. There we go. <laughs> um, the next question was, uh, will Mercedes score more or less victories this year than in 2020? And it's an interesting one, this, because the team arguably should have scored 
at least two more last season. Only really defeated on merit twice against Red Bull at Silverstone and Abu Dhabi. And I think it effectively gave away two victories at Monza and uh, and then in the in the Sakir Grand Prix as well. But now here are the results from our, our followers uh, on Instagram: forty one percent say more and fifty nine percent say less. Whereas Twitter, it's thirty nine percent saying more than in twenty twenty and sixty one percent saying less. So, Jake, what do you think? Do you think Mercedes will do better or worse this year in terms of race victories? Well, the calendar's longer, isn't it? So I'm going to say more. At the moment, it's longer. At the moment. Yeah, okay. Um, Could be shorter. It could end up being short. In that case, I'll say the same. Uh, What was it? 13 out of 17? Oh, no, 13 seems a bit low to me. I'm going to say, yeah, more. Let's go more. Cool. Well, that was uh, nice and clear for you there, Jake. Um, The next question was, uh, the Hamilton-Bottas partnership, is it made in heaven or hell? Uh, on Instagram, we've got 62% voting for heaven and just 38% voting for hell. And on Twitter, slight difference, uh, 68% voting for heaven and 32% voting for hell. Luke, do you agree with that? Do you think uh, do you think it's basically uh, an ideal partnership Mercedes have got in its driver lineup? I completely. I don't know who's voting for hell on that front because there's there's never been a, a bad word between the two of them. I think uh, even today, uh, Bottas was sort of talking about being a bit more demanding, maybe a bit more selfish sort of with, with his team. But I mean, between him and Lewis Hamilton, it's been, I think, the perfect partnership, really. I think that Lewis has been able to do all that he wants to do and he's been very successful. And uh, yeah, at no point has he ever like lost a race or anything like that because of Valtteri to Bottas not being there for him, which is something that obviously Max Verstappen has uh, struggled with in the past couple of years. But he's, uh, no, I think it's it's a great partnership. I think that's probably the big consideration for Mercedes moving forward is do they want to sort of upset the the, the apple cart and, and change anything within this really, really strong partnership between Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. So, uh, no, I think it's probably out of the whole grid. I would say it's probably the most, most heavenly uh, of uh, inter-team partnerships, perhaps. Indeed. Well, the last question was, will Lewis Hamilton take title number eight this season? On Instagram, we've got 81% of people saying yes and just 19% saying no. Again, a little bit more emphatic on Twitter. It's 84% saying yes and just 16% saying no. So, I mean, we've already sort of covered who's the favourite, who's going to get more points. Um, But John, what, you know, just how, what was Lewis sort of saying about the potential to win an eighth world title? Because it's interesting there, with with only signing a one-year deal, there's a theory that, if he wins this one, takes the record from himself, from Michael Schumacher, he might walk off into the sunset. So what was he sort of saying about the potential to win an eighth world title today? Um, still quite still quite coy in terms of making any bold declarations. And Mercedes has, you know, a foundation of its success is not getting complacent, not believing that just because it's won the previous year's title, it's going into this, this season expecting the same. So... Um, they've always downplayed things pre-season. It's no different this time around. Um, and I think for Mercedes that the paranoia, you know, one day will be justified because at some point they are going to trip up. Mercedes cannot win in Formula 1 forever. So whether it's this year, whether it's 22, whether it's 25, whether it's 2030, at some point this run of domination is going to end. Someone else is going to come out on top. Mercedes is going to stumble. Uh, and then it'll be a fascinating dynamic to see, you know, how the team recovers and gets itself kind of back on the top. Well, moving on to the next part of our discussion, and that is moving teams entirely. We're going to be talking about Alpine, the rebranded Renault team, obviously, had their launch today. Bit of a confession, first of all, I was working on a column for Autosport.com Plus, which uh, which I'm sure you can read now. It's supposed to go up this evening. Um, so I didn't see any of the, the virtual launch, Luke. So um, how did it go? How did it compare with Mercedes? 
it was an experience. Let, let's say that I got I got a message from one of because uh, uh, we ran an article this morning uh, dubbing today Super Tuesday because of the launches going on, and I had a, a member of the Alpine uh, PR team messaged me going, "Oh, prepare to be amazed, like live up to it." And uh, yeah, it was it was something. It was because uh, it, it was they said it'd be a virtual event, so I was like, "Okay, well that means they're going to do it on Zoom or something like that," as is everything that we're doing nowadays. Uh, but actually, no, it meant that they basically they had um, the the host Lee McKenzie, they had Esteban Ocon, uh, Martin McCall. Davide Brivio and uh, Lauren Rossi all in front of these sort of like um, uh, green screens basically and then when they're all in shoes they kind of basically flip around this virtual car and it was all uh, all, all very interesting and our uh, colleague at GP Racing Stuart Codling was saying he didn't know which characters to select as though it was a video game or something like that so it was uh, yeah very entertaining on that front uh, slightly frustrating in terms of connection issues and things like that and uh, at one point Davide Brivio had to drop out twice of the, the media call and then Turn with no video or anything because it was uh, yeah, not working. He was in Dubai for some reason, so it's uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit, bit of an odd one. Um, I I think Mercedes had a better launch in, in all honesty. Uh, no offense, Alpine, but Alpine had got a prettier car, so swings and roundabouts. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, with with the Alpine launch, uh, perhaps too much virtual, not enough reality, whatever that might mean. Um, but yeah, I think the new livery. Absolutely stunning, John. What were your What was your reaction to seeing uh, to seeing a car that for so long has been yellow and black now a nice light of electric blue and black? Yeah, I, I like the blue they've chosen. Uh, I, you know, I think we I remember us discussing when people got furious at the interim livery that came in, saying, "Oh, they've wasted this opportunity. This is terrible. Why have they not done more?" Blah blah blah. Even though it was an interim livery and wasn't the final thing, so I don't think you can be disappointed. Um, it's moved on a lot from when we've first caught a glimpse of the proposed livery back in September last year when they showed us at Monza what it could be like um, I think it looks good it looks different it stands out and you know I'll go go back to my um, kind of comparison about good liveries I think uh, you know an Alpine fan a Fernando Alonso fan should be able to draw that F1 car this season so it's a winner Jake what did you think did it remind you of any particular 1990s cars that I know you're a big fan of <laughs> Uh, I hadn't thought, I hadn't planned for that question, to be honest with you. Uh, and obviously, as we know, I'm not as witty in real life as I am after I've had a few hours to think about it. So. Ever. <laughs> no, no one, no one <laughs> thinks you're witty. I'll get back to you on <laughs> that one. That. But uh, I do really like the livery. I know uh, I'm contradicting myself a little bit by saying uh, it should be no more than three colours, and obviously there is four. But I think you can make... It, it's different. And I didn't really like the previous Renault liveries either, because they just seemed disjointed it was like again it was like two different cars just sort of glued together and there was no real clear direction where the yellow should be and where the black should be um none of them lived up to the 2010 Renault livery which was amazing um so it's nice to see this change of tack uh it does stand out it does look really really good um 10 out of 10 really Luke what did you think I thought the new the new Alpine livery has a has a hint of the uh, the Renault Edams Formula E livery of a few That's years ago. That's a good ago. point. That, actually. That, just something that, that occurred to me. But yeah, what did you think? Yeah, no, it's the same kind of blue. So it's it's I agree that sort of really does make the livery. And I think uh, you mentioned about sort of nineties F one cars. I think there were uh, Prost was sort of the, the comparison that was floating around uh, social media after the launch. And uh, yeah, I just think it's great. And I think that 
the important thing is for teams to have basically a set identity in terms of that be their colour. And I think obviously Ferrari is always red. I think McLaren regained it when they went back to their papaya orange. Uh, Racing Point had that so famously with the, with the pink cars and now Aston Martin will have it by being green. And I think that we're sort of looking at the grid for this year and um, with the um, for the live timing screens and the TV graphics, um, each team has its own colour. And uh, recently it was sort of floating around what the colours were. And I think Mercedes, Alpine... AlphaTauri and Red Bull were quite similar shades of blue, so the, the pedants out there were moaning a little bit. But I think that the design that Alpine have gone with, I think that is, you're going to look at that car and go, okay, that's an Alpine. You'll know what it is. I think it's really cool. They've got the, the red, white and blue. They said that's about, obviously, the, the colours of the French flag, but also the British flag that sort of reflects the the uh, work between uh, Viri and Enstone. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a really, really cool car. So I think um, it's the I think the prettiest car on the grid we've got. I think it's the best livery. And I don't see anything beating it in the next couple of days. But uh, that's the gauntlet down for Aston Martin tomorrow with their uh, green and a little bit of BWT pink, maybe. So give us a watermelon uh, design, perhaps. Certainly will. It certainly will. Well, Jake, other than the new livery, is there anything different about the Alpine compared to the Renault based on what we saw today? I'm glad you asked me that, Alex. Yes, there is. Um it's almost as if you, uh, you 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 told me to write and ask you that question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's almost like you asked me to tell you what questions to ask me. Um, Correct. Now we're just going around in circles. Um, no, it seems like a lot of work has been done to. I think I think generally the cooling package overall. Um, there isn't a massive change to the powertrain um, uh, as it stands. Um, there will be a change coming for for Bahrain. Um, but it does seem they put a lot of work into that cooling because the side pods are so much tighter than they were last year. I mean, it was not, it wasn't a big car last year at all, but in in terms of side pod size, but it's gone even more, more so with it. Um, obviously, the I think this is I don't know if it's just the new paint job or whether this is this is the situation uh, it's really really hard to tell when you're comparing the two side by side but i think the engine covers a little bit bigger uh, in comparison um so it seems that they've moved some of the cooling components out of the side pods again uh, and into the sort of space behind the driver's head um i think overall the reason for that is because again you've got this this floor to explore you've got fewer tools available on it and you need to create downforce so open that floor up a little bit more um, you can create that pressure difference and you'll get your diffuser working harder so I think that's the reason why they've gone for it and obviously packaging goes hand in hand with aerodynamics, powertrain design, everything is interlinked on these modern Formula 1 cars it's not just you stick a shell on it and go, um, everything has to be designed together, so that's the key difference um, on on the Alpine I think there's a lot of uh, Maybe a few more changes still to come. Um, a lot of it carried over, but there is some fundamental differences. Yeah, another excellently uh, written question coming up for you, Jake. I mean, are there any obvious developments that you can see coming uh, for Alpine based on uh, based on how they've launched everything for 2021 so far? Well, as I mentioned, they have got a new powertrain update coming. Um, as you mentioned earlier, they do, you, you do have one in-season update available, and then that is it for, for the season. And then we get into 2022 and beyond. Um, so that's something key that is coming. Um, I think there'll probably be a few more changes here and there as well. Um, the virtual package does seem strongly rooted in, in last year's. There were a few fundamental changes again, which I missed. Um, 
with regards to that main turning vein that's attached to the side pod, that's going to be different. Again, that's going to play differently with the new side pod design. Um, the front wing is still roosted in last year's, and perhaps we'll see a change there. But you know, if it's working for them, why change it? Um, but you, you would expect a change to interact with the the floor a little bit. There is a change to the cape design as well, which I also forgot about um, previously. Um, again, I mentioned trying to do everything earlier. And it seems they come up with this slotted design for the cape, which uh, if you've got photos to hand, uh, it does look very, very intricate. So it's worth checking out just to see what they're doing at the front. It does seem like quite a cool design, quite innovative. So, yeah, there's a few innovations on there. JBO, you should have written your questions that I had to read out in a way that would, would spark, you know, things that you were to remind you to say. In your I should have written my answers is what you're saying. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. That's on that's on autosport.com plus. You can check that out uh, there already. Um, John, what were the key messages that Alpine was coming out with today? It's a new brand for Formula One. It's a big sort of revitalising moment for the team. Got a new driver, well, a returning driver in Fernando Alonso coming on board, although he wasn't he wasn't a part of the launch today. So yeah, what, what was the team saying about itself today? Yeah, I think the ambitions ambitions are very much there for the long term. That they're in this to win it. Um, they're in it to make a big impression. Um, Lauren Rossi, the CEO, talks of a you know a road road plan to 2025 of breaking even. Um, the road car sales will be enough to pay for their racing program, um, and they want to be be winning by then. So short term wise, you know, I don't think they're expecting any dramatic turnaround of fortunes. They, you know, obviously clearly targeting podium finishes. Um, I think they see the opportunity of 2022 and see this year as a, as a first step. So no bold declarations of winning races in 21. Um, I think that will very much wait for 2022 and beyond. And Luke, what did we learn about the team's new uh, management? Obviously, no more Cyril Abitbal. We've got Davide Brivio, who's come across from Suzuki MotoGP. Yeah, his first uh, chance to sort of meet the public, as it were. So how did the team's new management introduce themselves today? Well, yeah, Davide Brivio uh, has come across from Suzuki's uh, title-winning MotoGP squad. And I asked him about that move and said, how difficult was it to step away from obviously an environment, a world he knows so much in MotoGP and come over to Formula One. And he said that it was a really difficult decision because he'd been with Suzuki for such a long time, overseeing their return to MotoGP and then going on to win the championship with uh, Joran Mir last year. Uh, but he said that it was a dream move, move going into F1 for him. He said he couldn't let that go by. He would have feared that he would have come to regret turning it down so he had to jump at it but uh, yeah he's uh, he's talked a lot about sort of uh, soft skills and people management I know it's something that our uh, most GP correspondent Lewis Duncan he's spoken a lot about uh, that being a big strength of Brivio's and uh, he said that ultimately that they've got to remember that it's such a small team working at the track but they've got over a thousand people uh, between the bases at Viri and Enstone that they're all working for really so he said there's sort of a lot of pressure that comes with that but he said uh, doesn't see any issues working with Fernando Alonso he said all of his discussions so far have been uh, very positive and uh, we also know that uh, Davide Brivio he'll be working alongside uh, Martian Bukowski who's uh, the executive director of the team and there will be no uh, set team principal at Alpine it'll be that the two of them will sort of split duties together and uh, jointly run the team uh, Bukowski explained that uh, by having uh, two chiefs as it were it means that he'll uh, be able to afford to miss a few races towards the end of the season uh, something Mattia Bonotto for example at Ferrari he's already spoken about having to do as they sort of shift focus towards 2022 so uh, yeah it's maybe a little bit of a, a different and a bit more complicated of a sort of management structure at Alpine compared to other F1 teams where you have one team principal and they 
day oversee the day-to-day running but uh yeah it's a different approach but i think they've got a really good hire in davide brivio and uh, yeah as first impressions go i'm uh, pretty impressed by him Good. So we'll see how Alpine gets on in the 2021 season. Uh, now, again, let's hear what our social media followers are made of the same questions posed about Mercedes earlier to the Alpine squad. Uh, the first question, of course, again, which driver will score more points? On Instagram, 75% said Fernando Alonso and just 25% said Esteban Ocon. Nearly identical on Twitter, 76% plumping for Alonso and 24% for Ocon. Uh, John, is that fair? Do you think Alonso is going to do better this year compared to Ocon? Um, interesting one. I think that might actually be quite close I think you can't underestimate the difficulties that Fernando is going to face A getting back into Formula 1 having been away and, and you know getting used to a, a new team as well we saw it took Daniel Ricciardo two seasons for example to you know get up to speed with Rene when he was there and we saw the problems Esteban Ocon had last year um, coming across from um, having been a test driver at Mercedes and having been at um, Force India just adjusting to a new car concept uh, new way of working so I think it may take Fernando some time to get up to speed um, I think he'll, you know, he'll be on the pace pretty quickly but Ocon may get a you know, decent run at it at the start of the season before Fernando kind of finds his feet properly so I, I think in the end it may be, may be quite close and sure Fernando in the end you know, he's, a, he's a wily racer he'll extract the maximum from the car and he, and he may get there but I think it will be quite tight in the end between them Indeed. Well, the next question uh, is, can Alpine better Renault's constructors result? Do that again. <clears throat> well, the next question is, can Alpine better Renault's constructors result of fifth place uh, in 2020? Uh, on Instagram, 57% of people voted yes and 43% voted no. On Twitter, just 39% voted yes and the majority, 61% saying no. And it's a really interesting one, uh, this uh, JBL. We sort of we discussed this in, in other discussions we've had at previous team launches because... When you think about it on the face of it, we expect Ferrari to do better this year. They were certainly very sort of positive in terms of the numbers they've seen for their new engine. So you'd assume that they'll uh, at least solve part of the problems they really encountered last year. McLaren, very successful. Aston Martin, if it, you know, if it hits the ground running a bit better than it did this year, should be even better in 2021. So it's a really crowded midfield. So do you think Alpine can do better than fifth? Will it struggle to get fifth? What, what are your thoughts on how the team will do? Uh, I think they'll be hard-pressed to match it, I think. Uh, obviously, last year, there were a lot of outside influences that kind of contrived to help them into fifth, I would say. Um, but at the same time, there were outside issues that robbed them of anything higher. So it really depends on whether Aston Martin and McLaren can retain that form, if you like. Um I wouldn't say it's a given that Ferrari will will jump ahead of them, but it does seem from the noise they're making a little bit more likely than last year. Um, they're playing for fifth, definitely, uh, and maybe fourth. Um, but I think it's either between fourth and sixth, and I think it's probably going to end up being sixth at this stage. Um, I, I, I haven't seen enough about them yet to make a concerted step forward at this stage. Well, the next question is on sort of a similar theme. Will Alpine score more or less podiums this season than Renault managed in 2020? On Instagram, we've got 55% of people voting for more and 45% of people saying that they'll probably get less this year. Twitter, uh, only 36% of people saying they'll get more in 2021 and 64% going for less. And again, John, it's sort of, as I said to Jake, it's a similar situation to some of the other teams that we've discussed because if you look at Red Bull on paper, bringing Sergio Perez in, he should be, you know, getting the the odd podiums that maybe, you know, if a Mercedes drops out or or Max Verstappen, uh, you know, doesn't finish. So 
Is it going to be harder this year for a team like Alpine to get those glittering results that Ricardo managed and Ocon as well in 2020? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know Arano had kind of a, a poor first half to last season and then it turned around at Spa and then they had a really, really good spell till it fell away just at the, the very end of the season for them. Um, but that midfield you know, is absolutely fascinating because you could argue from, from any team, you can include McLaren in this, from McLaren... Aston Martin, um, Alpine, um, AlphaTauri, Ferrari, you can argue any position from third to seventh for all of them. Um, you know, it's pros and cons and they could all are capable of finishing that because it's so, so tight. And it may be that, you know, four or five points will be the difference between one or two positions in that midfield battle. So I think it's going to be really frantic, really close, lots of ups and downs. And I think it's actually will be more difficult for teams to to score, you know, a, a decent run of podium finishes. So I think there'll be, I think there'll actually be a greater share of podium finishes this year when, you know, either of the Red Bulls or either of the Mercedes don't finish. Well, the next question takes us back to the driver lineup: uh, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. Is that a partnership made in heaven or hell? Uh, on Instagram, it's an even split, fifty percent either way for heaven and hell. Whereas Twitter, uh, pretty certain that it's sixty-two percent more likely that it's hell and only thirty-eight percent uh, heaven. But it's a, it's an interesting topic, this Luke, because particularly, let's face it, with Fernando Alonso, doesn't have you know, an unblemished history when it comes to getting on with his teammates. And also, you know, we know that he's a famously demanding character, but he's also extremely successful. And that can have a knock-on impact at the other driver at a squad. Look at Stoffel van Dorn and McLaren, you know, a highly rated young driver, went up against Fernando Alonso, effectively ends up out of Formula One at the end of that. So yeah, what, what, how do you see the, the relationship between Alonso and Ocon uh, going in 2021? I think it's going to be one of the stories of the season to follow, really. And you mentioned Stoffel van Dorn there. And in the final season that he was teammates with Fernando Alonso, uh, Alonso defeated him 21-0 across qualifying. And I think until last year, Fernando was still trotting out that stat. He was still so proud that he'd crushed his teammate in such fashion. And I think it really depends what kind of Fernando Alonso we have coming back to F1. Because we know he's determined. We know what he can do. We know how his mindset is. But I kind of liken him to uh, Jose Mourinho, the football manager. And Mourinho sort of has this record of going into clubs, being wildly successful and then everything falling apart. And it's kind of, then he's sort of come to his last few clubs and gone, no, that that's behind me now. I'm a happy guy. Like everything's going to be different. I'm very chill. And then it all kind of ends in a very similar fashion to what happened before. And I'm, I'm really interested what happens with Alonso here, because I think that him, him coming back, it's such a statement from Alpine that they don't want to look sort of at the existing talent that was in F1 or even to, to any of their juniors or anything like that, that they got a 39 year old on a multi-year deal. And he is, he's so successful and he's so good but I'm just really interested to see how after two years away how he comes back not only on track but also off it like what's the mentality like so I think that's going to be interesting but also from Esteban Ocon's side as well I mean he's had history of not having a great relationship with his own teammates we saw that with uh, Sergio Perez during that time at Racing Point and uh, I remember one of the the final media sessions um, we did with uh, Perez towards the end of their time together and he said that he actually really regretted that his relationship with Ocon wasn't better because he said yeah the was no relationship towards the end basically so I think I think that's going to be really interesting and I think that there's going to be a lot of maybe land grabbing early on as well Alonso coming back but also Ocon sort of saying well no you're coming to my team I've been here for a year I know how things work I want to be sort of the staff of the future for Alpine so I I think it's going to be fascinating Um, and it could all be completely wrong they could all 
like get on absolutely perfectly have a really sort of good like uh older driver and youngster sort of relationship i don't know um but yeah looking at past history though for both of them you just kind of think it's got to at some point got to have some kind of flashpoint some kind of incident that uh, does turn things maybe a little bit sour oh yeah i mean we we certainly hope that they they don't get on and have a massive falling out that'd be far more interesting than just uh, getting on but the last question we asked our social media followers was can alpine claim a victory this season uh it's uh it's it's a no on both counts from both instagram and twitter 65 percent saying no on instagram only 35 percent saying yes and again more resounding more negative as ever on twitter 79 percent saying no and 21 percent saying yes um I think that's pretty realistic and, and pretty accurate, to be honest. Uh, John, we did see some midfield teams scoring some victories last season, but they needed significant things to happen in those races to even get a chance of that happening. So, yeah, what do you think? Do you think Alpine can pull off what would be a shock win in 2021? I don't think so. Um, I think if you look at the races that the, the outsiders won last year in, I mean, in Monza, um, you know, Carlos Sainz was the, was the quickest non-Mercedes effectively in that race, but was caught out by the safety car window and Gasly, you know, had had the pace there, but they weren't miles and miles adrift of Mercedes in that race. And in Sakir, um, you know, Perez charged through and had the, the good fortune of, of the pit stop, but was quick on that weekend. But it was never a race where Renault was clearly the second fastest car, even those podium finishes you know Daniel and Esteban were, were well adrift of um, the lead cars so I, I don't see them making the step up there to be super fast at the tracks where it's needed so while I think podiums are possible I think a win's a step too far unless it's complete chaos and you know a, a downpour and lots of cars out and a, a miracle strategy and we get a really really shock result well thanks to john luke and jbl for coming on the podcast today and of course thanks to everybody listening along now just before we go we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of autosport magazine came out on thursday and will be available on the supermarket shelves and in news agents as well as on the doormats of subscribers there'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every thursday packed full of news analysis and the usual stunning photography and of course if you want unlimited access to autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.